This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Two Girls, One Ship, the podcast where we analyze, rate, and review all that the world of video game romances has to offer. I'm Genesis, the girl who will unapologetically and openly cry every time I hear the words, there is no shepherd without Vicarian. And I'm Vervada, the girl who's definitely a one Turian kind of woman. If you're new here, welcome to the beautiful chaos. But you should know that our podcast centers on character and romance analysis and doesn't shy away from exploring the fun of fucking. Or from the deep emotional connections built between two characters using specific in-game dialogue. So if you want to stay spoiler-free, then this isn't the podcast for you. So here's your fucking spoiler alert. Thanks for the spoiler alert, N7. Maybe this episode will convince you to romance the space chicken. And just like with all of our previous episodes, we'll assume that you have some background knowledge of the game and characters in question, but we will be providing context for those of you who may be unfamiliar. We chose to release this episode now because we liked that last year on Valentine's Day, we released our first episode on this character. I mean... He is the romance Jen and I first bonded over and decided, hey, someone needs to talk about this. Thanks to you, dear listener. We're no longer just fangirls shouting into the void. We're professional podcasters who today are analyzing our favorite alien boyfriend, Garrus Vicarian in Mass Effect 3. The stakes are high and the pressure is heavy, but nothing can come between this cross-species liaison. I can't even count how many lives are depending on us, Garrus. Well, when things are looking grim, and I'm pretty sure they will, just remember, we're in this together. And if it ends with both of us dying and a giant explosion taking out a Reaper, remember I took the kill shot. Asshole. But I love it. (laughs) Garrus has come a long way since his C-Sec days on the Citadel. And he has worked through his shit from the whole Archangel Sedonis thing. So the Garrus we reunite with in Mass Effect 3 is at his peak. In the time since the defeat of the Collectors, Garrus has been a busy Turian. Garrus knew his planet was not ready for the impending Reaper invasion, so he went to his father to ask for help. If you've read the Mass Effect comics, you know that Garrus and his dad have a strained relationship at best. His father also worked for CSEC, but unlike Garrus, he was a stand-up Turian and never had any problems with all the rules and regulations he had to abide by. We love us a rebel, don't we? Garrus managed to convince his father of the Reaper threat, who was then able to convince Primarch Fedorian of the threat, and he gave Garrus his own Reaper task force. So that's what he's been doing while Shepard has been in the brig for killing a bunch of Batarians. We can't know exactly how much help Garrus' task force really had, because the Reapers invade nonetheless, and it seems insurmountable to so many at first. But not to this OG crew member of the Normandy. 
Shepard and Garrus reunite on Manet, one of Palavin's moons, as Shepard is trying to locate the Primarch. The existing Primarch was just killed, and the next in line is General Adrian Victus. Once you locate him, Garrus joins you back on the Normandy and makes himself comfy in the main battery, calibrating his big guns. And once he's back on the Normandy, he'll start to wonder where things are at if you previously romanced him in Mass Effect 2. While you don't have to romance the same companion throughout the trilogy, or as in many games as they're available, the next clip we're playing happens to Shepard's who did romance him previously. It shows the one area Garrus isn't confident in. The suave Turian, who just goes with his gut. He's nervous around Shepard, unsure of her feelings, or if she even wants to be with him still. As if he ever needed to worry. That's the thing with Garrus, though. He knows he is woefully ignorant of how to be a good boyfriend to a human. And he tries to learn, even if it's awkward. Because he respects Shepard just that much. Is this the part where we shake hands? Wasn't sure about the protocol on reunions. Or if you even still felt the same way about me. The scars are starting to fade. I remember they drove you wild. <laughs> but I can go out and get all new ones if it'll help. I haven't forgotten our time together. Well, I've been doing some more research on human customs. I didn't... That's the protocol on reunions. The vids mentioned it might go something like that. I had hoped it would. I mean, I didn't know if... I can't promise how things will work out. Not with this war. But I missed you, Garrus. I thought about you a lot. Glad to know my romantic, um, <clears throat> skills made an impression because it's going to take more than Reapers to come between this cross-species liaison. So, if you heard when he gets interrupted, that's with a Paragon interrupt with a smooch. And it's just cute. I, I really love this scene, because when you're watching it, Garrus is nervous, stumbling over his words at first, and looking around the room and not at her. And that's when Shepard can do the Paragon interrupt. She kisses him gently on his scarred mandible and reassures him that, yes, of course, she's still interested. Garrus is still grounded by physical touch, just like we discussed in his Mass Effect 2 episode. Garrus is a Turian of action, and while he has become considerably more eloquent in this game, and especially in the Citadel DLC, his primary way of connecting with Shepard is through mutual touch. I think this makes perfect sense, given they speak two totally different languages and are completely different species. The two went from never touching in the first game, to touching during every romance scene in the last game. Physical touch is so important on so many different levels. Like, even like a friend touch, just to be able to hug somebody. Ugh, so important. Anyways... Garrus has also worked through some of his residual emotions and trauma around what happened to him on Omega in the second game, so he is much more open and friendly with the rest of the team, specifically Ensign Copeland, Javik, Liara, and Vega. 
He'll still hang out in the main battery doing his calibrations, but even so, he'll often be using the QEC to talk to people back on Palavin, or talking to other companions on the Normandy. He is no longer filled with anger and resentment. Instead, is filled with acceptance and determination. It may have taken too long to convince the rest of the galaxy, but now he is finally doing the mission he set out to do with Shepard three years ago. It is time to kick some Reaper ass. They're pretty good at it, too. We said in Liara's episode for Mass Effect 3 that she checks in on Shepard unlike other companions. There are exceptions to this, of course. The romance options will usually ask after your well-being if you've romanced them. But Liara definitely sees Shepard in a nurturing, empathetic way. A romanced Garrus is essentially the foundation that the house is built on. He makes sure Shepard is okay and reminds her that he will always be right there. This might be a little bit corny, but this is what I honestly thought of when I was thinking on this and analyzing Garrus. But his relationship with Shepard reminds me of this song called Boats and Birds by Gregory and the Hawk. It's a song I like to sing to my daughter before bed sometimes. It's a super cute song if you haven't heard it. There's this part in the song where the lyrics say, If you'll be my star, I'll be your sky. You can hide underneath me and come out at night. When I turn jet black and you show off your light, I live to let you shine. And that really made me think of Garrison Shepard. Damn it, I wasn't going to cry this early. Next line. <sighs> How are you holding up, Shepard? This all has to be taking a toll. There's only so much fight in a person. Only so much death you can take before you... Before a certain Turian with no romantic skills to speak of tries to cheer you up. Cheer? Coming from you? Mm. Mood swings. Don't worry. We'll get through this. We always do. That part, we always do. I love it. His brand of support, flavored with dry humor, is just perfection. His value as a companion is only increased as a romantic partner, too. All the companions offer their own perspectives and advice to Shepard as the story progresses. And Shepard and Garrus are able to be very vulnerable with each other about how they don't really know how all of it works. The ruthless calculus of war, as Garrus calls it, is taking a toll on Shepard. As a Turian, he can offer a more militaristic, strategic approach and wisdom. But he also respects and loves Shepard, so he can temper that with her priorities and emotions. She wants to save everyone, when a Turian would think a battle is a victory if even one soldier survived. After the mission Priority Palavin, Garrus can be found on the Citadel coordinating housing and supplies for the refugees from Palavin. Garrus has grown into his own since Mass Effect 2 as well. So much for the old Shadowbroker dossier on him saying he couldn't grow under Shepard's shadow, but ultimately... His character arc revolves around the phrase, there's no shepherd without Vicarian. We talked about this a bit in his last episode, but his arc of growing closer to Shepard is different from the other characters. Their character arcs all revolve around their own journeys. Grunt becomes his own Krogan and finds his place among his culture. 
Miranda's finally going to get out from under her father's rule and save her sister. Jack comes full circle and becomes the parent figure she wished she had as a young, powerful biotic child to other biotic kids. But Garrus? His outcome relies solely on Shepard. We said this in his first episode, but his two personal quests from Mass Effect 1 and 2 surround his desire to enact justice outside of the law and regulations. And Shepard can influence his ideals through the Paragon or Renegade morality path. That is why Garrus is the sidekick. Which isn't to say that he isn't strong and capable Turian all on his own. But Shepard brings out the best in him, romanced or not. All the companions are necessary for the success of the mission, and they all have their unique strengths and weaknesses. All support Shepard in their own way, and all can be viewed as the most important squadmate for one reason or another. However, you cannot ignore the ease and trust between Shepard and Garrus, especially romanced. Liara might have mind-melded with you, but Garrus is just on the same wavelength as Shepard, in a way that the other squadmates don't come close to. They all care for Shepard, yes, but the quick-witted banter and lockstep that these two are always in is perfectly captured in their tango scene of the Citadel DLC. Which, we will be breaking that down in another episode, don't you worry. But instead, let's listen in on how their romance lock-in scene starts. Where are we going? Somewhere we're not supposed to. Now you're talking. Ever have that one thing you always wanted to do before you died, Shepard? I've woken up with a Turian next to me. Still trying to make me blush, huh? Until it works. So what's your one thing? The whole time I worked at CSEC, I'd stare up at the top of the Presidium and say to myself, I want to go up there. But I never did. There were 137 regulations telling me I couldn't. So you got them changed? No. Now I just don't give a damn. The way they talk just perfectly conveys how close of friends they are in addition to being in love. This is why I will always choose Garrus. This romance started out off the pure trust and respect of a deep friendship. The physical attraction wasn't necessarily there to begin with, but now it sure is. There is a trope called Amazon Chaser, which fits Garrus's attraction to Shepard because he is attracted to her initially due to his immense respect for her and her prowess in battle. Kicking ass is sexy to a meritocratic Turian, and especially in these times where the fate of the galaxy is at stake. The lock-in scene for the romance in this game is just too cute as well. We all get the benefit of seeing the scene too, even if you don't romance him. But us Garrismancers just get some more going on in that scene than normal. Garrus takes you up to the top of the Presidium just like he always wanted, and you'll have a bottle shooting contest. Oh. And by the way, do him a favor, and me a favor, and miss the shot. Just let him have this. It's incredible. I'd be lying if I said I didn't hope it would inspire a certain mood. Something on your mind? It seemed like you needed time to figure us out. 
Are you ready to be a one Turian kind of woman? The only thing that made leaving Earth bearable was knowing you were out there somewhere. I felt the same way. The worst part about the galaxy going to hell would have been never getting to see you again. Well, here I am. Exactly where I want to be. I love you, Garrus Vicarian. Wow. The vids Joker gave me, well, they never got this far. There was the part about sleeping together, but this is... I don't know exactly what to do. Who needs a vid when you've got me? And that leads to the moment where you can make a shot or intentionally miss. I'm kind of torn on this decision, unlike V. Does missing intentionally cheapen his win? Or does the confidence boost really help? Does the legend of Shepard need to be almighty? Or can she take a hit to her pride? I guess it just depends on the playthrough. And... This is another example of how Touch soothes and connects Garrus to Shepard. Garrus is clearly nervous to discuss this. He might be worried that Shepard will turn him down here, and he is awkward and messing with his scars. He seems self-conscious. After Shepard does the Paragon interrupt of kissing Garrus, he calms down and his confidence returns. It's cute to see this four-star sniper badass fumbling through words, because romance is just the one area where he isn't too sure what to do, but he desperately wants to get it right. And this brings up another thing that I love about Garrus specifically. He is really the only companion in Mass Effect 3, but also the series that is like wholly an individual. Liara does come as a close second, but she still represents the typical Asari, despite her unique job as an archaeologist at such a young age. Rex, Tally, and Javik are all ambassadors of their race to the player. The human companions are all representations of their respective organizations, or the failings of those organizations in Jack's case. And Edie is literally an embodiment of the Normandy itself. That's not to say that each of them don't have individual personalities, but they are all framed by their organizations or cultures. Garrus is shown time and again to be outside the norm of Turian culture, and we never need to do anything to improve or fix his standing with his culture like we do with the others. He's simply allowed to just be Garrus, not your Turian companion. This also helps Garrus to be the voice of the series as a whole, which is enabled by Garrus's best friend and confidant status. He never does anything or wants to do anything that falls outside of the game's morality sets. And even at Shepard's most paragon or most renegade reaction to things, Garrus will match that energy every time. You can be so horrible to all the other companions, to the point of death in some cases. But you cannot be mean to Garrus. There is no break the cutie here like there is with Tally, for example. 
The game likes him just as much as we do. <laughs> Even if you don't romance him, this separation of Garrus from the other companions is apparent. Everyone can easily describe him as Shepard's best friend. He is on the Normandy for Shepard and Shepard alone. To kick Reaper ass is just a bonus. Now, before we get further into the romance, we need to take a mid-break to talk about some fun facts, hear from our sponsors, and thank our lovely patrons. If you told me that Butt Cheek Beach was a Mario Kart course, <laughs> I'd believe you. You know how when you're hanging with your buds and the conversation takes a nosedive into vehemently arguing things about fictional worlds that don't matter? Well, Debate This is a show that tries to recapture that magic. The first time we meet Wario, I'm pretty sure, is in the second Mario Game Boy game. And I think his whole shtick is like, he's stealing shit. That doesn't mean he's anti-union time. <laughs> it's like two parts barroom debate, one part show and tell, and one part horrific thought experiment. He is certainly not stealing from the rich and giving to the poor. <laughs> if anything, Mario is a blue-collar worker, and he's stealing from Mario. Mario Mario is a centrist, and we all know that. Mario is upholding the monarchist state of Mushroom Kingdom. You cannot tell me that Wario is not anti-fascist. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you download podcasts. Yeah, I'm going to think about Wario being anti-fascist for a while. Go ahead, Todd. <laughs> All right, it is fun fact time. Garrus has been ranked as the best companion in the entire series multiple times. And as a romance option, he is ranked at the most popular choice for femships around the world. That's according to multiple polls from PC Gamer from 2015 and 16. But I tend to agree with it. Have you heard this man's voice? Yeah. Speaking of his very attractive voice, Garris is voiced by Brandon Keener, who has done a lot of other acting and voice acting roles in his career. But two things I thought stuck out was that he was in Galaxy Quest, which is one of my favorite movies, and I don't remember him, and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. If there is one thing I've learned, it's that everyone has been in at least one episode of Buffy. Uh, like, seriously, everybody's been in Buffy. But the episode is not that great, and this is human Garrus, so the voice is kind of there. But he's playing a skeevy older brother who is washed out after high school, so mm, I'll keep my Garrus right where I like him in Mass Effect, please. Oh, wait, but Mr. Nature from the Smuckers commercials? Yeah, I'd take a bite of that sandwich. I need to find this commercial that you are referencing because i have not seen it it's a smucker's <laughs> jelly commercial and he is married to mother fucking nature and they have a kid together and he's making a sandwich for their daughter because it's like <laughs> it's cute. all natural smuckers another fun fact i had is according to canon garris stands at seven feet tall and femship is five three so she climbs him like a tree. I love me, my giant space chicken boyfriend. I love that thought. I mean, that is really fucking tall. I'm 5'9". Like, 6 foot to like 6'5", I'm not intimidated by. But beyond mm -hmm. that, 
Yeah, my dad's 6'4", so like, that's fine. But I'm used to that. But I can't imagine. And my thing is, I knew Garrus was seven foot tall. Like, I've, I've known that. But like, I did not know Femshep was 5'3". I'm 5'6". Like, that's insane. 5'3 seems really short. Um, while I thank the patrons and read out our reviews, will you look up how tall Broshep is for me? Oh, yeah, yeah. I got you. All right. Welcome, Barrier Free Height. I hope I said your name right, because you are our newest patron and you need to be welcomed onto the ship. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And major loves to Toasty, Apollo, Mystheos and Wynn, Bat Knight, Lizzie, Becky, and the Cups, and Cloudy. <sighs> I love you all so much. Now, we have recently received two new reviews. Much appreciated. Love Games with Love. This is for you. Five stars. Via Apple Podcasts from Win. <laughs> I am appalled at myself for not reviewing before this. I've been listening to the podcast for several months now, and the growth of Arvada and Genesis have undergone as hosts and as content creators has amazed me. Their open-mindedness and in-depth analysis have changed my mind a few times on characters I thought I previously disliked. I'm also a cornball, so being among friends and fellow nerds who also love the romance aspects of video games is really validating. So if you're looking for a great breakdown of your favorite romance, or looking for new games to get addicted to, look no further. Thank you, Wynn. I love you. Thank you for the review, Wynn. The best. We had one more new review, which is awesome, because we went without one for a few months, and now we have two, so that's exciting. And this next one came in on January 29th of 2023. From, oh, okay, C-H-A-R-T-H-O-T-99 via Apple Podcasts. They said, really great podcast. Just listen to the Leliana episode and it's me. I'm the one fangirling over Leliana. I love how your episodes are structured and y'all have great takes. Thank you. That's what we go for is great takes. <laughs> I can't tell if that's Char Thought or Chart Hot. Or Chart Hot. Chartot. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Is it a play on like Chartan? Um, please tell Chartan? us. Join our Discord and phonetically spell out your username for us if you have the time. Also, I found out uh, some things. So first of all, I want to address the fact that in-game, the characters, the, mo the character models do not represent their true heights according to the lore. So you can't like run up to Garrus and stand next to him and be like, oh, if Garrus is seven feet tall, then I must be like six five. That's not how it works. They just aren't proportional to how they actually are, according to lore. Um, according to the Mass Effect wiki, John Shepard, as in Broshep, is six two. And I just looked it up for Femshep and it says she's five nine. So somewhere between five three and five nine, we can just call it five six like me to be safe. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. That's the thing. It's like, I don't know. They don't have a... The, so 6'2 is known for Broshep because that's how tall the male model is who did the modeling for Broshep's body. So they mm. just said he's the same height as that man. No idea who did Femshep. So it could be 5'3", could be 5'9". She's shorter. I only know about romance analysis, not heights of 
player characters. All <laughs> <laughs> good. All good. There was something else that I wanted to add in this mid-break, but now I am completely blanking on it. Ugh. Post-production interrupt here. Oh my gosh. I finally remembered what I wanted to freaking say in the mid-break. So I jumped back in to add this little tidbit. This episode is going to release on February 13th, 2023. And then the very next day on Valentine's Day, Tuesday, February 14th of 2023, the episode where I joined in on the Debate This podcast is going to go live. I had an amazing time with the guys, and the topic for the night was change the big, bad, evil boss into a romance option. Things got weird in the best way possible. So please make sure that you are following the debate this exclamation point podcast and listen to my episode that comes out very, very soon. Really excited about it. Anyway, no matter what height Femshev is, he is way taller. Mm. So love that for her. That's right. I remember because it was like, I mean, obviously Femshep and Broshep are different heights. And that actually can be noticed and seen because I watched a modded playthrough where they made Ashley a lesbian romance in Mass Effect 3. So then you saw the body models actually interacting together in a romance scene. Except for Femshep is so much shorter that when she walks up, Ashley is making out with Femshep's nose. Because that's, that's where Broshep's lips would be. <laughs> so, oh. It's time to enjoy the company of our best friend and sweetest space boyfriend. Are you ready for the romance culmination scene? Here we go. Shepard, thought you might be up here. Do you know what the best part is about a battle that decides the whole fate of the galaxy? Winning it? I was thinking it's a good excuse to remind the ones you care about that. And well, you care about them. Want some company? <laughs> you read my mind. Hmm, guess I'm getting pretty good at this. But some more practice wouldn't hurt. And that's it. Nothing else happens until you wake up from your nightmare. I really, really don't like the fact that with all of your other lovers, except for Tally, you wake up next to them. Caden is playing Big Spoon. Liara is snuggled under your arm with her head on your chest. Cortez is also in the same spot as Liara, and it makes his head look odd, but that's not the point this week. The point is, Shepard even said, I've woken up next to a Turian. But on this night, the night where I would want my lover to hold me until the moment that we have to separate, he is already up and out of bed. Yes, I think it's sweet that he stayed. Yes, 
I like the fact that he sent me an email while he was just waiting for me to wake up. And I also understand that creating a naked or semi-undressed body model for just one scene is asking a lot. But it's not even horny me asking for it. It's a woman who just wants to wake up in his arms. And not with him in full body armor either, Citadel. Shit. I would have been happier if he was in his relaxed clothes, reading his data pad in the bed next to me. Not sitting at the table. Yeah. It kind of sucks because it's like, in their romance scene, this scene, it doesn't have as much of a sense of intimacy as the other ones do, which is not fair as far as I'm concerned. They should have at least tried to make it a little bit more fair. But maybe they did. I know that a lot of effort goes into games, more effort than I can imagine. And I'm sure that they tried a lot of things and maybe his body model at the time when this game was made was just uncooperative with that kind of positioning. Yeah. I know. I I mean, I can only hope that whoever we play as in the next Mass Effect game, we can romance a Turian that's even half as good as Garrus. (laughs) And maybe we'll actually see something worth seeing. (laughs) But the thing that stuck out the most to me about the scene was when Garrus said, but some more practice won't hurt. Time and again, Garrus will reference doing research or asking other humans, namely Joker, which is probably a mistake, honestly, about the dating customs and things he should do or is expected to do. I can infer that his research goes into physical affection as well, which we will get evidence for in the Citadel DLC romance scenes with him. I think it is really brilliant to portray a very capable man, Turian, but man, who knows his limits and knows when he needs some outside help. Love is work, constant work, and that can be both tedious and rewarding, but the work has to go into it. He always assumes he has more to learn, and that is why he is able to show up for her time and again and be that solid springboard foundation for her to be able to be at her best. The saying on Earth goes, behind every great man is a greater woman, but I think in this case, it's better summed up as, there's no shepherd without Vicarian. And of course, we have to play the long goodbye before the beam run. His conversation is probably the best one out of all the companions romanced or just befriended hands down i can promise you i will be crying in about a minute shepherd so i guess this is just like old times (laughs) Uh, hmm. might be the last chance we get to say that i think we're gonna lose No, I think we're about to kick the Reapers back into whatever black hole they crawled out of. Then we're going to retire somewhere warm and tropical and live off the royalties from the vids. Maybe even find out what a Turian human baby looks like. (laughs) I'm game, though I think adoption's a better idea. Biology may not cooperate. Huh, I suppose there will be a lot of little Krogan around soon. We just have to beat the Reapers first. James told me there's an old saying here on Earth. May you be in heaven half an hour before the devil knows you're dead. 
Not sure if Torian Heaven is the same as yours, but if this thing goes sideways and we both end up there, meet me at the bar. I'm buying. We're a team, Garrus. There's no Shepard without Vicarian, so you better remember to duck. Sorry, Torians don't know how, but I'll improvise. And Shepard, forgive the insubordination, but your boyfriend has an order for you. Come back alive. It'd be an awfully empty galaxy without you. Goodbye, Garrus. And if I'm up there in that bar and you're not, I'll be looking down. You'll never be alone. Never. Like, why? Why? I'm a crier, but like, I normally can hold out until I hear Shepard's voice, like Jennifer Hale crying. Yeah. I I can't handle that. No, I can't. And if I'm up there in that bar alone, looking down, just know that you're never alone. And then you can hear, you can hear Garrus crying too. It's the same mm-hmm. thing that I had with Caden last week. It was like the you can you know that not only are these characters going through it, but the voice actors are going through it too. And it brings so much to this game. Oh god. I love I'm I'm just seeing um Billy Badbottom, good username, saying like They've never played Femshet before, so it's all new to them. Never heard Garrus sounding so sweet. I love that there's just so much stuff in this game, like so many ways to play, so many options that even now, over a decade later, you can find something you've never heard before. That was me last week. I never, ever heard Shepard giggle like that (laughs) until I was watching Caden's romance videos and... You know, for me, this hearing this conversation is how I've always ended the trilogy. And it's, you know, I know I'm missing out on great endings with the other companions who you've romanced, but I can't, I can't step away from him. (laughs) It's too good. Like, I know that there's definitely things I haven't experienced in this game yet. Like, I... I've, I haven't watched any of the Mass Effect 3 tally romance stuff yet. And I'm going to hold off on that until I'm writing out, you know, my portion of her episode. Just because it's like, I haven't experienced it yet. So I'm going to keep it there until we're ready to write it all out. I really want everybody to experience these moments. Even if it's only through this episode or just watching a vid online. But when I say that it makes it so much more worth it when it's your shepherd that's doing it in the scene and you see your shepherd walking up to his face. God. Yeah. It's just we've said it so many times before where like you don't get to know the whole character unless you romance them. But that doesn't mean that your canon playthrough has to be the romance. You could just watch, like Jen just said, the video online or something just so you can see the range. But yeah, I love it. 10 out of 10. It's always been my favorite. 
So what do you think about that clip? I really think that that conversation before the beam run that we just listened to is a perfect snapshot of their relationship. Like I said, um, Jennifer Hale, the voice actress for FemShep, has said that this scene with Garrus is the one time she cried while recording the lines. And I definitely teared up when I heard it the first time and every time afterwards. We all know how much this means. This is goodbye. Not only to Garrus, but to the series itself. That conversation is one way to remember him. Phil Savage from PC Gamer said in 2014 that, quote, Mass Effect 3 was a game with many endings, and Garrus's ending takes place before the final battle, shooting cans with Shepard at the top of the Citadel's Presidium. It's a scene laced with humor, rivalry, sadness, and yes, friendship. The best way to remember Bioware's best companion. I liked that. I really did. It's beautiful. But for me, the goodbye that will stay with me is my Shepard leaning on the dock railing, gazing out at the Normandy, while Garrus says, it's been a damn good ride. It's beautiful. It's iconic. It's my favorite. We'll listen to that in the Citadel DLC episode. Oh, babe, it's the best. The best. can't believe that I'm still like... <laughs> together yet, and I'm about to fucking lose it even more. Have you ever seen some of the fan art of, like, Garrus and Femshep with Krogan babies? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's how I choose to think of them in a tropical place somewhere. Yep. Oh, okay. In the extended cut version of Mass Effect 3, it gives us an actual I love you between the two of them. And it is the literal final goodbye between the two. Get your tissues ready. Here, take him. Shepard. You gotta get out of here. And you've gotta be kidding me. Don't argue, Garrus. We're in this till the end. No matter what happens here, you know I love you. I always will. Shepard. I love you too. Go! It's the first and only time that we get to hear him say the words out loud. And it's in this moment of all moments. Oh, guys, I can't. I love this romance so much. And I think saving Garrus to say I love you in the last final moment, it just, oh, I was going to get to this story a little bit later um, because I feel like physical touch is so important. Oh, okay, so I was talking about how the like they saved him saying I love you until this moment and like I like it because it is so impactful but there are other times that he he doesn't say it he types it out so I wanted to a, yeah he says yeah. it a ton and said it all though so they definitely were like oh people want to hear that let's just throw it in <laughs> Right, because, I mean, Caden says it all the time, and, yeah. you know, 
so for Garrus to say it more and more in other ways is is important. I think he's just his love language is acts of service. So he knows maybe she wants to hear it more. Maybe humans are more verbal. and He was kind of being more of a Turian before. And so he learned, oh, she wants to hear it. So he starts to say it more. That's how the way I like to rationalize it. So, of course, I screenshot like everything. So back in the day, there was a companion app where your squad mates or really a lot of different people in the Mass Effect universe could send you additional emails and text messages while you were playing the game. And instead of showing up on your little computer terminal, they would show up on your phone. Uh, There is a mod that allows you to put them back into the game. And so I took the screenshots of what Garrus, a romanced Garrus, will email you. This one is titled, You're Still Sleeping, from Garrus Vicarian. It's late. Just got up for some water. You're still asleep. Wanted to say how beautiful I think you are. Love, G. Okay, second one. You've got this. Doubt any of us will be getting much sleep anytime soon. But I believe in you. Love, G. Don't get up. Just wanted to say, even with all this craziness, you're still a beautiful sight. Get some sleep. Love, G. I need Brandon Keener to read these emails out the same way that Raphael Sabarge did for the Caden letter and Kimberly Brooks did for the Ashley letter. Like, I need these now that would be that would be great i just he's always struck me as such an introvert that is exceedingly shocked at how much love he gets from this role yeah (laughs) every interview he's always like i'm scared that's his aura so i don't know if he ever would but you know i would love that too i think he's a great actor and i really loved him as garris obviously and i love these emails it made me think about I guess backstory, you know, my husband and I have been together for 10 years, but both he and I were in the Navy. That's where we met. And he was on submarines because of the type of work you do on them. You barely ever get a chance to communicate and the communications you do have are email. There'd be times where I didn't hear from him for like two months. And then all of a sudden I'd get an email and they would have to be short and there'd be like three people who'd have to read them. We had a little code and stuff, but like just seeing these kind of little short messages from Garrus to Shepard, it made me think of those times. They may not seem that romantic to some, but just for me, I know what that life is like in in some ways from being in the military and having that style of communication only with my loved one. So I really liked that touch. I think it's really good. Yeah. Ugh. You said touch, and that reminded me of, like, the whole physical touch thing that I was going to talk about. I know 100% that physical touch is my love language. Um, not, And it's not even from, like, the, the sex side of physical love. It also has a lot to do with just, like, there's something so powerful to me 
about like just a hug or a, you know, like a gentle touch on the face or the shoulders or the hands or anything like that. And I can tell that that's exactly how Garrus is too. We see it every time that Shepard touches his face. It's like a, take me, bring me back into my body. And there is a moment that I hold, like my friends all know this about me also. And there was a night that I was driving a group of friends home. I had, my girls were in the back. My bro was sitting up front and all of a sudden we were driving home. It's like two thirty, three o'clock in the morning and I'm driving and all of a sudden this guy walks out from the shadows across four lanes of traffic and in front of my car. And I freaked the fuck out. I swerved and like, I thankfully didn't hit him. I didn't hit the sidewalk. I didn't hit anything. But like, you see that and you're like, this person either is high and didn't know where they were at or they were trying to use my vehicle to not be living anymore. So... I instantly, like, my panic rises, my heart is racing, I start breathing faster, and I'm like, fuck. But sitting next to me, he just reached out, and he took my arm, and he used, are you okay? And I was like, that's what I needed in this moment, was a reassuring touch, just to ground me and pull me back into my body. And then I was able to drive us all home. And then I immediately sat on the couch and had a beer because I was like, motherfuck this. I'm going to like chill for a minute. But yeah, you know exactly who you are if you're listening to this. And I will never forget that moment. So thank you. Moral of the story, physical touch is important to a lot of people for a lot of different reasons. Physical touch is very important to us as humans. We are social animals. We are not designed to be alone. We are designed to be together and people do not, it's not even just romantic love. I think that's a problem in our society too. We should show more physical affection and intimacy to our friends and family. It's not just making out and having sex. It's hugs. It can be a cheek caress. I do that to my daughter all the time. She does it to me. A smooch on the cheek, holding hands, arm around the shoulder, anything. It's just nice to be connected. <sighs> so just so you all know the two girls one ship started because of the mass effect lore cast we wouldn't be a thing without them now granted we have definitely diverged and separated and we are our own completely separate thing but that's why we kind of like honor n7 in each episode because he was the catalyst that brought us together even though he would hate it if I called him the star child. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I was just going to say, I think Garrus is technically the catalyst for our relationship. <laughs> it's That's true. Garrus is the catalyst, but wait, I didn't. I was about to say N7 was the vehicle. And I'm just like, yeah, that doesn't he's the Normandy. Right. <laughs> he's the Normandy. He's the mission that brought us together <laughs> via the patron chat. Right. I thought Star Child was the kid at the end, at the very end, with the, uh... Oh, you know what? Okay, yes. I think that people use them kind of, like, interchangeably. 
star child is the one who's asking about the shepherd stories yeah the shepherd but i've also heard the catalyst that buzz aldrin voiced the man Mm -hmm. at the end yeah it's pretty cool just in case you guys know that that fun fact would never fit into a character analysis episode so just put it right here here you go another fun (laughs) fact so the actual star child at the very end the little kid with with buzz aldrin is not actually a model of a child it's not the kid from the beginning of the game it's not the model of the catalyst no they took anderson's body model and shrunk it if you go back and watch it and you look and you think like anderson and then you look at the fucking little kid and it's just anderson but like four feet tall I wonder if they're going to do anything with that scene at the end of the game. Like if that's going to be like, I don't know, referenced in any way for the next one. I'm interested to see. We're going to we're just going to have to wait and see, I guess, because Dreadwolf is coming out first. And I have I have business with Fenharel. Let me tell you. Oh, anyway, (laughs) this is a tangent for sure. We can finish now if you want. (laughs) Okay, I think the tears have dried. The love will always be there. So, if you like what you're hearing, please be sure to leave us a review on iTunes or give us a rating on Spotify. And here's a big thing. Spotify right now is really pushing for more and more people to follow on their app. The more followers that you have, the higher ranking you'll be in the Spotify rankings, meaning that our show will get promoted more and more and more people will find us. So when we ask you to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, it really is hit the follow button. And there's even a little notification bell in the Spotify app. So that way, every time our episodes upload on Monday, you'll get a little notification. And then you can go click download right then, right there. So please give us a follow on Spotify as well. And if you want to hear more from me, you can also find me on the Cyberpunk Lorecast with my co-host, Toasty, where we explore the foundations of the past, the state of Night City today, and the news of the future for all things cyberpunk. And you can also find me in text form in our Two Girls, One Ship channel on the Robots Radio Discord. Come give us a follow on all the social medias and on Patreon dot com slash two girls one ship links to those are in the description i'm on the robots radio discord as well and in our own two girls one ship discord server where we nerd out on all our favorite cgi significant others be sure to check out our live streams on twitch on fridays at 10 30 p.m eastern time 7 30 p.m pacific time our podcast episodes release on mondays because you need at least one good thing on a monday so Thanks for listening, and remember, beauty is in the eye of the controller. Hi, I'm Aaron. And I'm Ariel. And we're the hosts of the Legend of Zelda Lorecast, a podcast about all things Legend of Zelda, from Errol to Zora. And all the fun things in between. If you're ready to dive deep and learn more about the Legend of Zelda lore and everything surrounding it, come join us on the Legend of Zelda Lorecast. You can find us on Apple iTunes, Spotify, 
Google, or wherever else you get your podcasts. We hope to see you soon.